evening. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg with you, along with Stephanie Burke. And Stephanie, I cursed myself this morning. Did you? When I was starting to feel, you know, I've, I've had this sore throat building for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about how for the last nine years of the show, I've taken good care of my voice and made it so that if I did start to get a sore throat, it was usually cleared up by the time the show came around mm-hmm. on Saturday nights. Because in that first year, there was... Actually, I think it was like the first two years. I used to always lose my voice all winter. Okay. Like, I would get um, tonsillitis. And they would never take my tonsils out. So I was just left with these swollen tonsils and an inability to speak. And That's horrible. If you go back and listen to some of the old episodes, there's one in particular with Heidi Hollis. Mm-hmm. I barely am able to talk. I'm creaking it out out of my voice like that. And it sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. And somebody really should have, like, if, if somebody from the station had been listening, they really should have called up and been like, just dump it. Go to something else. <laughs> like, it's it's painful. It, it's painful for the listener. But I suffered through it, and I'm going to have to suffer through it tonight, too. Well, you keep your germs on that side of the room. Oh, I don't think there's any germs anymore. This is all strain. This isn't... All right, good. This isn't any kind of illness. This is all strain. All right, good. And I, I don't feel... Any other symptoms, so I'm, I'm thinking it might be allergies. I hope so. So, but I knew this morning as I talked during the morning show, I was like, mm-hmm. well, this isn't going to bode well. Thankfully, I didn't actually have to run any panels at Comic-Con due to right, some scheduling sure changes. Right, but I'm you were talking all day long. I was. With a lot of different people. And you know me. a lot of noise. I talk a lot. Right. So. So I'm sure it was loud. You had to talk a little bit louder than usual, and that put a strain on your voice, and now you're here tonight, and... I had a six-hour class today where I talked literally for six hours straight, so I'm already feeling that same feeling of my voice is a little strange, so this might be an interesting show tonight. See, and you were teaching Reiki today, right? I was teaching Reiki today. And why don't you explain to people what that is? Because I think it's probably a portion of our audience that has never heard of it. So I am a Yusui Reiki master teacher, and Reiki is the practice of being attuned to the universe's energy and... It allows you to perform hands-on healing to somebody else using that universal energy. So basically, you're giving someone else's body the energy to help heal itself. So you're not performing anything to do with healing or curing or anything like that, but you're giving energy to someone else, another life form, whether it be a plant, animal, person, and you're giving them and allowing them the energy to help heal themselves. See, now, this is a practice that's existed for a long time. Thousands and thousands of years, and it originated in Japan. But I never heard of the term Reiki until, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago? Yep. When I started seeing, like, stores pop up, you know, like, storefronts, I mean, pop right. up. You know, Reiki, 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 come get your Reiki here. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what it was. It's actually really relaxing. Um, it can be used for many different things, to treat many different things, mainly pain, anxiety, stress, um, things of that sort. Um, I've worked with many different people with terminal illnesses, people that just are having a stressful day. It doesn't really matter, but it's good for anybody because it just gives you that balance back in your life and it puts that energy balance back into your your system that you might need. See, I've been doing this for years, except I didn't know that it was called Reiki. I call it the Miyagi. Because <laughs> like when my son was little, whenever he would get hurt, I'd clap my hands together, right. rub them together, 
put my hands on it and be like, Miyagi! And then it would take away the pain. So funny, because part of the class I teach is Reiki is literally similar to what we would call like mommy magic. You know, a baby or a child gets hurt, and who do they run to first is a parent, and they hug them, they hold them, and they put their hand on the spot that hurts. You have a natural healing ability. We all have that energy that can help heal others, especially... Like, like Wolverine? Yes. Um, <laughs> just you, though. Okay. Um... Explains why the facial hair comes in so fast. Exactly. So if you put your hand on it, you know, it it helps a child feel better. It's a comforting thing, but you're actually helping to heal with your own energy. Um, What this does, and I was explaining to my class today, is being attuned to Reiki is being attuned with certain symbols to the universe's life force. So it's basically kind of like plugging yourself in. And that way you have a constant flow of energy, so that way you don't run out or you don't drain yourself or you don't get tired. So how did you discover it? Was it something that you had read about or heard about or tried and then wanted to learn how to do it yourself? Um, my mom has been a nurse for 20 years, and God, I want to say more than 10 years ago, she took a Reiki course. Um, being in the medical field, it was a newer thing, but they deal a lot with, my mom especially dealt with a lot of um, end-stage cancer patients. So... It's good for pain management, like I I mentioned, or like a transition into death as well. So she wanted to get certified. Um, She had had an interest in it. So she had her Reiki manual. I had heard about it pretty much like more than half my life. And um, I always felt like I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. And I want to say about, oh, seven years ago or so, um, I decided to look into it and try it. And, and really, the reason why you didn't want to do it isn't because you didn't believe in it or because you didn't want to do it because you don't like to touch people. Oh, yeah, that too. That's, that's... Um, I just wasn't sure if it was something that resonated with me yet. Um, like certain things, I you know, everybody has their own interests or different um, things that they feel like they're better at. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be good at Reiki or not because I, I wasn't sure exactly what it was. I knew what it was. I knew what the principle was. But I hadn't looked into it myself enough in order to really feel it out. And when I did and when somebody finally like explained it to me in an easier way, I realized that um, when I was around people that were hurting or like emotionally or physically, my hands would turn red and burn. And I realized that was my my body's way of showing me, like, yes, I had a healing ability. And I would do things all the time. You know, I'd put my hands, you know, on my animals, things like that. Um, and finally, um, I think it was Linda Lynch that had said to me, you know, that's just your body's natural way of trying to heal something. If you are attuned to Reiki, you have that unlimited source of energy coming in. So you're not draining yourself and you're not draining your own energy. So... Having someone explain it to me like that is, hey, I'm already doing something, but this can better it, and it can make it stronger. So I decided to do that. I fell in love with it. I got my Reiki 2 certification, and then I finally went for my Master Teacher certification. And so is this something that you can also perform on yourself as well? Yes, and you're suggested to, especially when you are first attuned to Reiki. You go through a 21-day clearing and cleansing, and... Um, it's suggested to Reiki yourself every day, but you should anyways because it's good to put some balance back into your life and balance back into your own energy and your cells and everything like that. So what you're really doing is kind of redirecting energies. You're not like shooting energy out of yourself. You're kind of just manipulating what's already there. Yes, but you are putting it into a specific place. But you're just focusing it. 
You're not create. I mean, you, I'm you only, can't create I'm energy. I'm the conduit but you know. for energy, pretty much. So if I'm attuned to this energy, putting my hands on something, it's flowing through me and into that person. Yes, it's all around us, but I am directing it where it needs to go. You're an adapter, yep. basically. Yep. So then when somebody comes to you and says, okay, I think I'm ready to learn how to do this, mm-hmm. and you teach the Reiki One course, what are they going to learn in that course to start off with? Um, I have an entire list. So we go through the entire... I mean, I'm assuming it's a lot of theory and principle behind it first. Yes. You know, we, we talk about what is Reiki, how does it work, and all different parts of it. We go into chakra systems. We go into um, balancing yourself, protecting yourself, you know, different things of that sort. There's actually a bunch of different parts, at least to my Reiki course. Um, the history of Reiki, where it came from, and um, why it's important, and how it's utilized in all different diff- like different types of um, ways to do certain things to do with, you know, energy healing and all that. Um, Along with that, you get your own attunement that day, and we do hands-on practice. So everybody performs a healing and receives a healing before they leave my course. So Basically just like, you know, you take care of this person and they take care of you and kind of going around the room. Yep, I teach everybody the hand positions and different things that you need to know in order to perform one. And um, so they get to practice on other people in the class. And then once they're done, they switch and they receive. And so then you go on from there to the Reiki too. And what does that just become more advanced? It's it's more advanced. It's another attunement. Um, It's a whole new course um, with symbols and chakras and um, things that we touch upon in Reiki 1, but you're not able to do till Reiki 2. And then the Reiki Master Teacher courses. You can take the Master course alone. Um, I took the Master Teacher because I wanted to be able to teach it as well. So that's a whole different level. It's the most advanced level. Now, you say that you want to be able to teach it, but mm-hmm. is there like a governing body, something that wouldn't allow you to teach it until you've taken that course? Um, I don't know if there's a governing body, but you can't teach it until you've taken the course because you don't even know everything. So you can go ahead and try to teach it, but you're not going to teach anybody. So you can't teach what you've already learned. Like if I went and took Reiki 1, I can't be like, hey, let me show you what I just learned. Nope, because you can't attune anyone. Okay. Until you're attuned to the the teacher. So this whole process, I mean, if I was going to start it today, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not because I'm right. I'm not going to do that. I'm lazy. Well, you're Wolverine. We don't have to. We already went over this. But if I was going to do it and I started today, I mean, how long is the process, would you say? So I, Obviously, it depends on when the classes are available, too. But Yep. Um, I do classes by appointment if they want it right away. Um, I usually do as long as you have a friend because we need the second body. And um, But I do. I try to do classes at least once a month. Um, so you take your Reiki 1. You go through your 21 days. And I tell everybody to practice as much as possible. Because obviously you want to practice on different people, get different energies in, give yourself enough time. Um, at least three months later, you can take your Reiki 2 if you're ready. Um, after Reiki 2, I like to see people wait at least a year to do their Reiki Master because there's a lot to learn in Reiki 1 and Reiki 2. And you need that practice time and you need that time to mentally prepare yourself for a Reiki 3. Um, 
if they're already living that lifestyle and like they're really into everything of that sort and they were just Reiki was the last piece of the puzzle for them I'll look at how much they've done since Reiki 2 and consider like 6 to 8 months out giving them their master because I mean really all you're really doing is you're just using the force and some people are just naturally more attuned to basically, the force basically I'm so. just a Jedi yeah so there might be some people that are like you know very Anakin Skywalker coming right. into this being able to move all the midi-chlorians themselves without learning any of the stuff right. so so, you know, just the last piece of the puzzle, puzzle. But if this is your, your journey, where you're beginning your journey, and Reiki's kind of all new to you, and you don't really know, you know, what it is or what you're doing, then, of course, waiting a little bit longer to get the full understanding is better. And since we're talking about it, why don't you let people know how they can get in touch with you if they do want to pursue this? So anybody can get in touch with me on Facebook, Stephanie Burke on Facebook, um, Market Burke. I think I'm at work at Burke for everything on Facebook, um, Instagram, every social media outlet. Um, you can call me, 774-930-5871, and we can talk about Reiki courses there. Um, I don't know if there's anywhere else you can find me. Well, I can find you here every yeah. Saturday night. Yes, they can. I, I don't can even know what my email is. Is it what Stephanie at SpookySouthCoast.com? Yeah, that should work. It should oh, forward, work forward right here. Uh, right work at Burke at Yahoo.com. It's not. It's pretty easy to find me. Pretty much, yeah. And well, I can tell you that you know last week with Halloween, I know that you were sorry, you were busy. Yes. And Moniz was called out to an emergency like investigation at Lizzie Borden's, and um, I was here and I was hosting the show with Chris Balzano. Yes. Via Skype, well, actually via phone. Uh, Skype didn't work out. Happy Halloween. But we, <laughs> but we had talked earlier that day, and. You had mentioned that you had actually gone out on an investigation the night before with Andrew Lake. I did. And, well, before I get into what we discussed, mm-hmm. why don't you just kind of let everybody know what you were doing? So, my good friend Andrew Lake had a crazy idea that he wanted to walk down Tucker Hollow Road in Foster, Rhode Island at midnight on Halloween. And my other good friend, Jason Mayo, was there with us, and they were filming it, and they wanted to see if I would pick up on anything, because they, they've they been working on a little project for a little while now, and it's coming out awesome, and they wanted to do this. They actually called me, I want to say, about nine months ago, and said they had this idea, and they wanted a psychic for that night, and they wanted me first and foremost But it was one of those, please say yes, but we know you have a baby at home. And um, for those of you that don't know out there, my daughter's birthday is Halloween. So it was her first birthday, and I said, I need to let you know closer to the date because I really don't know what's going on yet. And as they're talking to me, I, I mean, I was terrified of the idea. Don't get me wrong. I was, I was scared that night too. Um, But I said, it doesn't make any sense to go out Halloween night because if we go out late Halloween night, midnight on Halloween night, Halloween's over. Right. So I suggested to go out the night before, right before it hits midnight, and that's when the veil begins to completely thin. And that would be better for them. You'd probably see a little bit more of what they were looking for. And that works out because I could go home and have my daughter's birthday the next day, no problem. So it actually worked out better for everybody that way, but... Um, they had to talk it over between themselves and realize that, yeah, it's probably a better idea because, as I explained to you earlier, um, and I explained to them, the 
the best way I can describe it is, you know, when a full moon is coming, everybody goes, oh, my God, is there a full moon coming? I can feel right, it coming. Yeah. Um, and then when it hits, everybody's crazy. And then the minute it's done, it's done. Um, Halloween is the same way. The entire month of October, you can feel the veil thinning, the veil meaning, you know, the what separates us and the other side. Um, on Halloween night, when it hits midnight, the veil completely is thin. So depending on what culture you look at, what you believe in, what your belief system is. Um, most cultures adapt, well, they they believe along the same lines. You know, like the Mexicans have the Day of the Dead. Um, they believe that the, de- the dead completely walks among us the entire, mm-hmm. you know, 24 hours. Um, that's probably the most popular, I think, because I don't know why, but sugar skulls are really in right now, so people are realizing more and more that there's an actual culture behind it. That's where that came right, from. Yeah. Um but the Celtics, pagans, um, all different cultures believe that it's the one night of the year where there's no boundary and they can, the dead can come. Some believe that the gates of hell open. It, it really depends on what you believe in. But um, nothing stops the other side from just completely walking among us that night. So that's where the, um, you know, pretty much where... Halloween costumes came from, the origin of Halloween costumes. And what fascinated me about that is when we were talking about it, and you were telling me about this, I'm like, well, I've always heard about that. Mm-hmm. I've always heard about the veil being thinner and all that, but then you had kind of made a comment, and it was something that I had never thought of when you said, you know, so it makes it a lot harder for me. Yes. And I was like, well, why would it be any harder for, oh, right, you're mm-hmm. a medium. And so I was like, I, I remember I actually asked you, that's true? Like, yeah. there really are more dead people walking mm-hmm. around? And you said, absolutely. Yep. So it, it makes it really difficult. Um, like I was saying about the Halloween costumes, you dress up, the dead passes you by because they, you know, you look just like them. Um, and so I like the most common Halloween costume is a ghost. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really difficult for me because you're basically, for me at least, opening the gates of hell because instead of dealing with just one or two ghosts over here, everything is released. They now, can. the best costume I saw all of Halloween night was the kid that was dressed like Rich Uncle Pennybags from Monopoly. That's funny. And I, I, I'm, I don't think anybody that was dead was mistaking him for one of them. I agree. So, but like he, I said, he might have been screwed. That depends night. on what you believe in. It's, it's a little bit easier now, but um, our death customs aren't as serious now as they were. So, if that's a day when the dead can walk amongst us, yep. Then what are you seeing from them? Is it, uh, yes, you're experiencing it more, but are they more comfortable that day or are they still kind of trying to grab you and get your attention? Oh, no, they're, they're definitely just completely out there. There's, there's, I don't want to say etiquette because they really don't have a sense of time. So there's never really an etiquette, but there kind of is. Um, but there literally is none that night. So it's a really draining day. It's a really difficult way to, um, a, a day to just, go about doing normal everyday things. I'm pretty much just completely screwed up the entire day. So if you stick me out in the middle of the woods at midnight and ask me to do what I normally do, um, actually nobody's ever done that before. I've never had to read on Halloween before. Um, I've normally just avoided every type of medium, anything on that day because it's just overwhelming. Um, and also it's kind of a holiday too. You know, you want to kind of take the day off and do fun stuff. Right. Um, as a kid, I hated Halloween. 
I absolutely hated it because it made me nervous. Um, I don't even know if describing to you what I felt like would even make sense to anybody else. Maybe somebody out there listening, but I don't even know if it would make sense to you. But um, as it got closer to Halloween, I could feel the energy in the air. It was like an electric feeling. There was like a certain smell to the air, and I just knew it was coming. And that night, I would always feel like when the wind blew, you know, that that electric energy through the air. And um, it scared the living hell out of me because I knew what was with that wind. I knew when I turned, I could see anything. And it was always just anything. At any corner I turned, I saw something. So it wasn't a fun holiday for me. I didn't enjoy trick-or-treating. I didn't like, you know, walking around with my friends or my family and dressing up. A part of me did, but there was always that that part of me that was looking over my shoulder. Um, So wasn't that enjoyable. So if those... Halloweens have that effect on you, and they mm-hmm. still do to this day have that effect on you and your abilities. Would you say that Halloween would be an especially good day for someone to conduct, you know, a regular investigation? Somebody who doesn't have abilities and is looking to use, you know, the devices to try and prove that something's there. Would they get more of a result that day? I don't know, and I only say I don't know because a I don't know everything. But when I was out with Andy, um, he had spoken to somebody else that is local to the area who's been there for a very long time and she has abilities herself and he had all these stories all lined up already for different parts of the road the road was like two miles long um no street lights no houses at certain parts terrifying absolutely terrifying um old cemeteries just really strange strange things and he so he knew all these different points the history of what's gone on here what's happened here what experiences other people have had. Um, They still haven't told me everything because they want me to come back again during the day when it's not Halloween. Mainly because when I was out there, um, I wasn't picking up on everything because, like, spirits can travel. They can travel normally. But on Halloween, if they feel like they're stuck in one area, they can move about however they want to. So I was telling him that what he might have connected with or had an experience with before might not be here right now because it's off three blocks down doing whatever it wants. So I don't know if that's the best time to conduct anything because they can move about as they please. Well, Andy tells the story of Tucker Hollow Road in an evening of ghost stories, New England legends. I have never heard it. I can tell you that when he tells it, you know, as soon as I heard it, I was like, well, that's the place I got to go. No. No, I was, I was, I still want to go. All right, well, you can go next time. We'll put a big on you. And from what I understand, it's not that far from Anne Marie's house. It's not. So Andy's plan is let's go do it all in one day. I'm sure. I'm sure. He said, he's like, we'll bring you back next time. You can just stay in the car and be warm. We'll get you hot chocolate and you can just read from the car. And it's probably because they dragged me out on two miles in the cold. I had so many layers on. I think not even, I want to say not even 30 feet into the road. I'm walking down in. I'm like, hey, there's there's cars coming, and it's Halloween night, and of course, you know, kids legend tripping and everything right, else. Go down there, yeah. Yep. Um, we think it might be that. Well, we stop over to the side in front of a, a sign that says "Keep Out, No Trespassing," and it's two Foster Rhode Island cops. So. But they probably know Andy. They actually didn't. Really? Um, nope. They they took our licenses. Of course, I didn't have mine because I'm not thinking I'm going to get, you know, stopped by the police. I figure. You know, they already um, 
they already must know we're out here. But they obviously had to check because it's a Halloween night and it's a place where a lot of that type of stuff happens. So they were totally fine with us. They asked us how it was going and did we get anything, things like that. So they were awesome. Um, but it was it was actually, I mean, it was a really terrifying place, especially being surrounded by pitch black. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's going to happen, though, anyway. You know, even if you're at a place that doesn't have all these legends, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be... I'm terrified of the dark. Right. It's going to have that type of... And, and it's almost like the dark... When it's really dark like that, it's almost like the dark becomes extrasensory. Yes. So in addition to just not being able to see, you feel it like creeping... Like, it, it goes into your ears mm-hmm. and it gives you that ringing in your ears. Yep. And it, you, you can smell it and taste it. And it becomes something that goes beyond just what you can or can't see. Mm-hmm. I had, I went home that night and I had the weirdest dreams and I always call them nightmares, but it's that weird, especially after I've been reading. Um, it's a, the state of being awake and asleep at the same time. You're just in that in between, like you're not fully asleep, but you're not fully awake. And it's a place where I end up getting a lot of messages all the time because it's just my subconscious that's awake and doing whatever it wants to. And I had all these weird experiences in this this dreamlike state. And I called Andy as soon as I woke up. It was probably 8.30 in the morning. And um, I told him, hey, this happened, this happened, and this happened. And there was just silence on the other end of the phone. And he goes, oh, my God. You, you didn't know any of that beforehand. And I said, no. And he had told me a few of the things that I had said were 100% reported by other people that he actually had just recently found out about. So I didn't even have time to know about it. Um, so whatever I did not experience that night came and found me in my sleep and let itself be known then. That's pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. Yep. So now what, how long does it take if, if Halloween is over Yep. and the veil is back up? Mm-hmm. How long is it like instantaneously as soon as that? As soon as Halloween's done. So it has to do with midnight in the time that you're in. I guess so, yeah. And so it doesn't matter, like, oh, it's midnight now in, you know, Melbourne. <laughs> that doesn't matter. It's when it's midnight where you are locally. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the question that um, everybody always asks about the mugwai. Well, of course you can't feed them after midnight, but midnight where? Right. Well, it would just make sense that it's midnight where they are. Mm-hmm. And so now it's it's an immediate thing. It's not like there's still some lingering stuff going on next day or the no. next day being All Souls Day, nothing nothing on that day. My understanding was it was always All Saints Day because um I mean if you historically look back at the pagan religion when they were trying to get them all to convert to Christianity, they covered all of their ceremonial sites with Christian churches. Same thing um Halloween, All Hallows Eve, Samhain, they just slept All Saints Day on the next day. And I grew up going to Catholic school. We weren't allowed to wear Halloween costumes, but the next day we had to dress like a saint. Which one did you pick? I always put angel wings on and went to school. I was not dressing like Mary. I couldn't do it. I think I'd go as a St. Ber- Bernard with a battle around my neck. <laughs> There you go. I don't know if that would count. I don't think so, and I'd, you'd probably get kicked out for that. But I could. You know what I could do is I could cosplay like that at Rhode Island Comic Con. You could. I like that. Which is a nice segue. It is a nice segue. There you go. 
Of course, I did spend today at Rhode Island Comic Con, and it was bigger than last year, for sure. But it was easier. It was it was sort of it was more relaxed. I mean, I know that at one point they did have it closed down for mm-hmm. people to enter in the Dunkin' Donuts Center because, unlike in years past, they're running the Dunkin' Donuts Center and the Convention Center. That's crazy. And they they have stuff all over the place, so you have to go to both buildings mm-hmm. to see everything. And so, because they had more square footage to work with, they were allowed to have more people coming in and out. But at one point, the Dunkin' Donuts Center did reach capacity, so they just held people off for a little while until some of those folks filtered out and moved over to the convention center. Mm -hmm. And then after that, they got a really good balance, and it was never really an issue. And it was never really any more overcrowded than it normally would be. I mean, obviously, the convention center gets crowded at certain points around some of the celebrities. That's going to happen every year. That's going to happen no matter what. Because, and I'm just assuming this. I haven't talked to anybody about it, but I'm assuming this. The celebrities don't want to be scattered about. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be, you know, Henry Winkler over here and Jody right. Lynn O'Keefe here and, you know, the guys from Ghost Hunters way down here. They want to be together so that when people are walking around, they're making the decision. Mm-hmm. They're not, oh, I wish I'd known you were back here. I already spent my money on Henry Winkler. Mm-hmm. So they want to make sure that they have everybody kind of together. But that just makes for a congested area mm-hmm. in that one particular spot. But other than that, it was moving really pretty free-flowing. And mm-hmm. I was able to get around, which the more the ele- the more elaborate the costumes get, the harder that can be. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a guy walking around like a life-size Groot. I did see that. And it was amazing. It was a great costume. And he had How Rocket long Raccoon do you think that his- took to make? I don't know, but that was definitely like... Something that he made. It mm-hmm. wasn't like something that he ordered online. Right. And at one point, he actually had a little baby Groot in the pot. Really? Standing next to him, which was pretty pretty funny to see. But uh, I, I do like the fact that even though somebody might create something as, as big as that, as eye-catching as that, mm-hmm. and is certainly very impressive, but a lot of people were walking up to Andy with his Doctor Who costume on, his Tom Baker Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and they were asking him about all the intricacies of it. And where'd you get that sweater? I've never seen a sweater that matches so closely. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of people there that did have an appreciation for what was going on. That's there's, awesome. There's always going to be some knuckleheads. Right. And there were, but nothing, you know, nothing that was a problem. And the, the one thing that I know that can be an issue at these conventions, we've talked about it on the show, is the women who choose to... Dress a little bit more provocatively. Mm -hmm. Like to complain when they get the attention for dressing provocatively. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that this year there was a lot more, you know, people weren't getting upset about it. The women weren't getting as upset about it as as they normally would. I don't even know if I should open my mouth because I think I got in trouble the last time. Yeah, we did. We did have a pretty good uh, amount of email come back on that show, but... Mm -hmm. I feel that it's it's one of those things, and you know we talked about this, and this isn't a paranormal topic per se, but it's a local topic, so I'll bring it up. They recently reopened the UMass Dartmouth bar. Yes. And there's a student at UMass Dartmouth who is part of the the Center for Women, and uh, you know right. I, I don't know the exact title of the. I could look it up, but and so she was calling for people not to go to the grand reopening because they were going to have the Miller Lite girls there. Right. And I figured I would get your take on this because you've done this stuff in the past. Mm -hmm. And so they said, she said, you know, they shouldn't go because they're going to have scantily clad women there. Yep. 
And the actual Miller Lite girls, or a former Miller Lite girl, wrote mm-hmm. an open letter on Fun107.com saying, well, we don't dress scantily clad. Right. We wear hoodies and polo shirts and khakis and jeans. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's been most of your experience in, in the in-bar promotion stuff. The majority of the time, yes. I mean, I bartended for years at different places, bigger cities, smaller towns. Um, Miller Lite has always, the Bud Light girls too, they've always dressed very professional um, because they're representing a company. They're not representing themselves. Right. So um, I think the most scandalous that you got were the Jaeger girls, and they were still dressed appropriate. So, if anything, going to a bar, the women that are at the bar are dressed far more scandalous than the promotion girls. And that's what I was talking about this morning, that I think that maybe the promotion people have decided to go in the opposite direction. I because think so. When it used to be that people were dressed, not conservatively, but, you know, right. not provocatively. So, when you walked around a bar, you're like, wait a minute, who's this girl yep. barely dressed? And what's she here to hawk? Mm-hmm. Whereas now, it's like, you walk in there, most of the girls are hardly dressed. And so they actually stand out more by being more clothed. Right. You have to have the brand on you, and you're representing a brand that night, and you're representing a company. Um, I also think, too, promotion companies may have realized that girls dressing a certain way in the past is a really dangerous situation to send them into in a bar, being represented by a company, because you're dealing with a bunch of drunk people who will probably not respect them, um, and it has no issues of their own it's just if you've ever worked in a bar and i'm sure people out there listening have um when you are under the influence of alcohol all you care about is getting free stuff so it's not the easiest to deal with so you have people on you all night long um the girls that represent hard liquor companies they're giving out shots that are made by the bar that can get a little crazy too Mm. um so i think dressing them a little bit more professionally makes Less riffraff for them. Actually, in Massachusetts, can't you not give a drink away for free? Um, no. They're, if you're sampling it, the bar is technically paying for it. Okay. Um, like, it's not It's not just like, hey, here you go. Take right. it. Um, it's being paid for. It's just uh, samples are Well, one different. thing I did notice today was they had a Gansett girl mm-hmm. at Rhode Island Comic Con, and, and she was dressed as a pretty skimpy Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh. But it's Comic-Con. Right. And that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, it's part of the deal. Right. And she certainly wasn't the least dressed Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. She was probably pulling it off better than some of the less dressed Wonder Women, if I'm being honest. You yeah. know, just in terms of being, you know. Right. There was one who, I don't know if she realized that her, you know, her Wonder Woman trunks were all the way up her. I'm sure she did. I mean, you got to feel that, right? Yes. you got to feel the breeze. Yes. Well, think about it. If you had something that far up yours, would you feel it? Yeah, I'd be like, wait a minute, this doesn't feel I, right. Right. It's not comfortable. I don't know. And I'm like, there's kids around. Can you, can you do us a favor? There's there's kids around. But uh, it was certainly a unique experience. you got to come to one of these one, one of these years. I've gotten out of it this far. I don't know. Should I continue my streak of not going or should I no, go? No, I think you should go tomorrow. I can't go tomorrow. Even though I was offered a ticket. You should just go. Because I'm going to be there, and I'm going to need you to speak for me. when I have Apparently, yeah, at this point. You're going to have to kind of oh. carry all my conversations. Do you have panels tomorrow? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. I was going to say, if you have panels, I can't do it for you, because I don't know. Well, I, I wouldn't I know either. I can't pull a Tim Weisberg. 
I'd be getting thrown into it, so I would have no idea what I'm doing anyway. Yeah, but you can, you can do that. I, I got, don't know if I, I can. I got the worst news. I told you already, but I'll tell the audience. I got the worst news as I was heading into Comic Con. I ran into the uh, the organizer, Steve Perry, mm-hmm. uh, in the Skyway, heading over to the convention center. And I was like, oh, I heard some of my panels got canceled. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we had you on Carrie Fisher. Mm. Oh, are you kidding me? That would have been the best. And I was going to be doing C. Thomas Howell and Ralph Macchio, but mm-hmm. C. Thomas Howell couldn't go. That's so right. Ralph Macchio decided not to do the Outsiders panel without him. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, there goes my chance to hang out with a crowd of kid. Sorry. That's all right. I got to see him in person. That was cool. Right. But, I mean, you saw the slate of... People that are at Comic Con, a lot of yes. them will be back for tomorrow. I'm sure there's somebody that you've always said, "Gee, I wonder what that person's like in real life." I think everybody wonders that about anything. And a lot of them are, you know, very nice. That's good news because some of them aren't. But also, I tell people all the time, I'm like, keep in mind they're actors, mm-hmm. so they could be performing now. They could be pretending to be nice. They could be pretending to be a jerk. It's very true because they have to put on a certain act in order to. Make money, and it's still part of their job. They're not there for free. Right. You don't want to go there and and act like, you know, the a-hole because you're mm-hmm. the one who is selling something there. Right. You know, it's not it, – even if you are getting paid, which, you know, they, the way they work out all the deals, it's all convoluted, but you want to make a good stack of money selling your autographs and your photos and everything. And I know that I could see the look on a lot of the celebrities' faces as people are going around with a selfie stick. Mm-hmm. Because they had a problem for years at these conventions where people were photo, you know, just right. walking up with the camera and taking a picture and walking away and not mm-hmm. paying for a photo. And so they've been able to kind of curb that a little bit. That's good. That's hard but to do. now when they're doing it with a selfie stick, they're just walking down the aisle. You don't even realize they're doing it. Mm-hmm. So now I know why they had so many selfie sticks for sale in the mall on the way walking down right. there. Because people must have been grabbing them right and left. I'm sure. I tried to buy one. I was told, no, I can't. I don't know if I would want to do it. I mean, I'm, I've taken more selfies this week than I've ever taken I'm in sure. my life. I, I want it because of business reasons. Because if I can make videos by holding something out and steady or like having it rest on something instead of a foot in front of my face, it's better. My husband told me if I buy one, I'm divorced. What if you bought instead of a selfie stick? You just got a little tripod, mm-hmm. like one of the little small tripods, and put it on that mm-hmm. so you can put it away from you. And then you can still do what you want to do, but it's not on the obnoxious stick. But then i got to get up and shut it off instead of just pressing the button and ending it when I want to. I mean, how far is it really going to be from you? How far, far do those enough. sticks go? They're like three feet. You have like a three-foot reach. No way. Because you're like... Because then it looks awkward, you know you look nice and clean. See, that's why you really, what you really got to get is a GoPro. Ugh. Because I've realized, like, how easy those are to use. Mm-hmm. So you put the GoPro wherever you want it, and then you can use your phone to, like, turn it on and really? start recording. Mm-hmm. And you can see everything on your phone way across the room. And then you can stop recording. You well, can... don't tell me that, because I don't want one. Well, we are trying to raise the money through our GoFundMe account to get one. And we've already gotten some pretty big donations. As we have. If you want to help out. Because we're, we're, we're trying to hold out and save up and get the 4K one. Right. So we don't have to get another one down the line when they yeah. upgrade. So if you want to help out and donate, SpookySouthCoast.com. There's a little link right there to donate. You can also go right to GoFundMe.com slash SpookySouthCoast. And we have one listener who 
I don't know if she wants me to say her name, but she's been generously donating every month. Oh, that's awesome. No, she, she says she enjoys the show and she wants to keep giving us a little something as long as she can. So that's appreciated because that's, you know, covers the podcasting costs and all that, right, and the right. website maintenance and all that. Because, you know, we are, we like to call ourselves the PBS of the paranormal <laughs> because we really do pay for everything ourselves. We're here because we love you. So we're looking for people to kind of help out with that. And we, you know, and I always say, you know, we don't get paid to do the show. Right. So we need to put it out there to people. We'll make sure it's still going to happen. We're not going to go off the air if people don't make donations. Right. But it's just, it's coming out of our pockets. Mm -hmm. So this way here, it's easier for us because then you feel like you own a piece of the show, mm -hmm. which will get really, really you know, problematic if we ever hit it big. Because then right. be like, well, I, you've said on the air that I own a piece of the show because <laughs> I listen. Yep. So that'd be like, like two million little pieces every year. Of, mm -hmm. Well, if it was two million little pieces, we'd, we'd have a lot of money. No, but I mean, like, people listening. Mm -hmm. That's how many listeners we have, but right. we don't have that many donations. So that's why I say, if everybody out there that listens to the show on a regular basis, just send us a dollar. I was say, if we only had a dollar from everyone, can you imagine? Just 32 cents a day will make a difference in the lives <laughs> of these paranormal radio hosts. Mm -hmm. At least to the point where they can not have to choose, do I put gas in the car or do I pay the podcasting bill? <laughs> oh, my God. I've been there. I've been there. I have not yet. The problem is, is if you do it, and if you pick, you don't pick the podcasting, and then like it goes down for one day, that one day is thousands of downloads of people that are like, well, that show's done. Right. I guess I don't have to keep that in my syndica syndication feed. Was that? That was me, apparently. Sorry. I could have just said it was a ghost. Sorry. I'm trying to hold on. I don't know how I'm going to make it through another hour. I don't know. I think we're going to be calling Chris Balzano in the news break and being like, Chris co-hosting for the next hour <laughs> no hosting i'm sure he's we'll listening listen. so he knows he knows that it's coming uh but and i had mentioned last week that we did an evening of ghost stories in new england legend at the stadium theater and that we were actually having paranormal things happen during That's the show right. weird little yep i heard it from you i heard it from andy weird stuff happened with the I sound system and it's just a beautiful building mm -hmm. and it's certainly you know you can feel it when you walk in like yeah. this place is haunted uh, we're hoping we're maybe do a Legend Trips event there. That'd be awesome. Especially when they have the whole stadium building next door. Mm -hmm. So we're working on that. Uh, but I would recommend going to legendtrips.com and getting on the mailing list. Yep. So that if we do make it happen, you'll have first pack of tickets. So this is, this is actually way worse than I thought it was going to be. Really? I started off all right. I mean, it doesn't hurt. But I just, I can tell that it's... I can sing songs for it's the next six out. minutes. I've never heard you sing once. You never will. So you weren't... You know who used to sing all the time, though? Who? On Spooky Crossroads. Balzano was always singing. Really? Yes. Is that good or bad? Um, it's good that he has the confidence. <laughs> Uh-oh. Keep your day job? Yeah, no, he's not bad. Okay. But it would just always happen, and he would always be like, I'm going to make you sing one of these days. And I'm like, nope, it's not going to happen. Well, fun fact, I um, I did take singing lessons from the time I was four till I was like 18. And you didn't want to do anything with it? Nope. Well, why'd you keep taking the lessons? Because I liked it. I was just afraid to sing in front of people. I, I sang in front of people, I can't say how many times. I sang solos in church and school and different city events and it scares me. But if the EVPs were to reunite for one night only... You, yes. would, you would be our singer? I don't know. We'd have to talk about that. 
Because right now it's Jeff Belandris. It's all right, but well, it could he be did all right. He was all right. Yeah, I can I can the sing with Jeff. Was horrible. Buzzy. Yeah, I'm sorry. They should have fired him, especially when we did um, what was it, Wild Thing? I was just screwing that one up right and left. I was like, Do you know how long it took me to figure out who Bigfoot was? Really? Mm-hmm. Who else do we know that's t- that's that tall? I don't know, but I didn't really like know him that well at the time. So I'm like, who was Bigfoot? We were just talking about that location today because, as you know, we, you and I were discussing yes. during the week. There's somebody who works there now at the former Wall Street Cafe mm-hmm. uh, who has been having experiences there. And I was talking with Vin Pacheco from Dark Side Inc. today, okay. and he was telling me that he's gone in there and investigated, mm-hmm. and s- stuff is crazy in there. Really. So he said it, and the person who works there said it. They're like, oh, we got to get you guys to come on down there. So Definitely. We probably will have to. We'll go have some dinner or something. And yeah. Then we'll poke around and investigate. It's a good time. And one of the first questions I asked was, you know, will we be able to, will the bar still be open when we go? <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but, right. you know, it's, it's at least worth uh, checking out. That's funny. So, but uh, again, as I was mentioning before, Rhode Island Comic Con is happening again tomorrow. There was a limited amount of tickets still available for tomorrow. It was mostly sold out. But if you go to ricomicon.com, you can get some tickets. And I would, I would literally go online right now and buy them and not take the risk of showing up at the door tomorrow because they were turning people away right, right and left today. Right. And it was just, they were hyper vigilant this year about making sure that they didn't overdo it. Mm-hmm. That they didn't let too many people in. Right, because it got shut down last year. Right. They actually, they actually asked Lorenzo Lamas to leave so that one other person could come in. That's not a true story. No, it's not. But Lorenzo Lamas was a nice guy. I could see him kind of really? offering. Yeah, he might be like, you know what? I will go outside so somebody else can come in. That's funny. But I just, you know, I know, I know he's been on all kinds of stuff. But I just remember him as renegade. From that terrible Didn't he just have like a reality show? show? He might have. I don't know. I want to say like him and his kids did or him and his wife. or. I don't watch reality shows unless I wrote them. Sorry. I got to see. Now I got to look it up because I'm kind of curious. You're looking up Lorenzo Lamas' IMDb page? Yes. It's probably pretty extensive, actually. Well, not his IMDb page because that might take me longer. Um, well, we only have a minute left before we're going to head out for the news. All right. Well, I'll look it up on the news break. And then we can kind of reset. I mean, I, I'll I'll tell you this much, you know, he was in Greece. Right. I don't really remember that. I remember him being in that. He was on Falcon Crest. I never really watched that. My grandma used to watch that when I used to stay over her house. <laughs> but, um, oh, he was on the TV series Ghost Girls. Really? The one that was a Jack Black production. He played one of the Johns with uh, with Hooker with a Heart of Gold. Yeah, I'm looking. I don't see any reality show here. Oh, he was on the Joe Schmo show. I don't know. I'm trying to figure this out. Oh, well. We'll be back. Welcome back. 
back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg along with Stephanie Burke. Silent Assassin, Matt Costa, and Science Advisor, Matt Moniz, are both off. Moniz is actually not feeling well tonight, so we wish him well. None of us are really feeling well I'm tonight. Say, but you and I are here, so... You know what I'm thinking? What are you thinking? Well, I, he didn't know that we were sick, so I think he was trying to stay away so that we don't... Come well, that was kind of him. But I don't think he realized that we just sort of all been sick mm. here together. But I was thinking about this today. I might actually be patient zero today for the con flu. What? Never heard of the con flu? I've never heard. Well, yes, I think I have. Whenever there's a big convention yep. of any kind, everybody that goes to it ends up getting sick. <laughs> yep. From all the germs that are around. And this goes beyond, you know, paranormal or Comic-Con or anything like that. This happens in, like, you know, regular industrial conventions. Yep. Or regular conventions of industry, I should say. So I'm thinking that I might actually have been patient zero today. If, if this wasn't allergies and someone else, I might have infected other people and I might be the root of the con flu. You could have. That's kind of like, that might be my second greatest accomplishment in life besides the time I started a USA chant at wrestling. That's hilarious. That was like a lifelong dream. Was it really? Yes, until that you point. Did it. I also had a couple of pretty other awesome moments today that just went underappreciated. Really? Yes, like... Um, it's because I wasn't there. Probably. Well, there was one point where there was a guy walking by in a really great Chewbacca costume, mm-hmm. except the mask was like just a crappy rubber mask. It wasn't movie quality. And that's what I said as he walked <laughs> by. I was like, it's okay that your mask isn't movie quality. And like, nobody got it. I was like, oh. I would have gotten it. I was so disappointed. There's proof right there. I would have gotten it. I was, and you know who I thought should have been there for that? Who? Your husband. Yes. I thought that would have been perfect. He would. It would have been amazing. He's the biggest movie buff and biggest Will Ferrell fan ever. Yeah, he, he definitely would have done it. And then, and then I thought it was really great when one of my friends put on Facebook, I'm having drinks and at the next table over, Jason Momoa is having drinks. Mm-hmm. So does this mean I'm having drinks with Jason Momoa? And I was like, is Momoa drinking a mimosa? Right. And nobody thought that was funny. I thought it was really? funny. Yeah. They just don't understand you. And you I'm know what sorry. it is? Is They just feel like you know, Comic-Con is not something worth that you joke about. Well, some people take it very seriously. Yes, you have to take it very seriously. Hmm. Well, that that kind of ruins the fun of it. I think so. Isn't it supposed to be like a fun thing? That's what I would think. Speaking of uh, fun things, there's a hashtag going around Twitter tonight, hashtag UFO. Oh. Because there was a UFO spited. Uh, spited. Spited. A UFO sighted in the sky over Southern California right around dusk tonight. Really? Tonight. Like, actually, tonight wow. happened tonight, just a few hours ago, because it's 11, 15, 16 here now in the East Coast, so it's, what, 9, 16? Mm-hmm. So really, probably only about 4, no, 8, 16. No, it's 8, 16. So it's really only about maybe two or three hours ago that it happened, where they all, all kinds of people were reporting seeing lights in the sky over Southern California. And they were talking about it on social media, and the hashtag UFO just started trending. But it turns out that the, at least the story we're being told, is that it was actually a naval test fire off the Pacific coast. Of course. So whether or not it, it was anything else. We'll have to see. One of the other things that's been going on, too, in the sky, if you've been paying attention, is we've had a lot of possibilities to see the Aurora Borealis. I saw weeks. that. I really... Honestly, love to see that. I've never seen it, but I'd like to. I've never seen it either, but I really want to. One time, I thought I saw what might be like the outer edges of it, mm-hmm. 
but it wasn't like really strong, so I couldn't be sure. But that must just be an awesome thing to see. Like just like basically a light show in the sky. I mean, the pictures are amazing. The ones with David Boreanaz? Yes. In the yes, 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 absolutely. Just not the same without him. But uh, I certainly would love to see that. Maybe if it happens, you know, people can let us know on social media that they're seeing it. You can find us on Twitter at SpookySC and say, hey, look out your window now, dummy. Yes. I hope so. So I know that um, I know that you don't watch horror movies. I do not. But how do you feel about, like, horror comedies? Is that too much for you, too? Are we talking, like, Shaun of the Dead? Uh, yeah, I've never seen that one myself. It but, was terrible. But have you seen, like, you know, there's that movie, The Frighteners with Michael J. Fox, where it's really, like, more a comedy than it is a horror movie? The spooky South Coast listeners at home are going to think I'm a jerk because I haven't switched. Sorry, everyone. Um, I have not. I have not really seen anything that has, like, horror attached to it. So you have, hey, you have not seen the Evil Dead movies? No. Did you see Army of Darkness? No. Okay. You really should see at least Army of Darkness. We've talked about, as much as I like movies, I never watch them. Because my husband watches them all the time. Like, he has his little iPad I bought him, and he downloads everything to it. He watches things while he travels for his job. And every single time I go to watch a movie and I get really excited, like, oh, it's going to be like a date night type thing, he's already seen it. So, who watches movies by themselves? Well, I would just watch it again. If I've already seen it, I would just watch it another time. No, because then we have all the DVR stuff, which is brand new, so we're I, watching that. I watch movies again and again. I watched Ghostbusters the other night for like the 257th time. Did you? So, it was just... I watched it twice in one night. It was just highly disappointing when you get all excited for a new movie and it never <clears throat> happens. Well, Army of Darkness is the third Evil Dead movie. Okay. But it's not like... It's got really nothing to do with the first two Evil Dead movies. They actually give you a recap of it and at the beginning of the movie, and it's enough so that you don't even have to see the first two movies. Because the second movie really is just the first movie all over again. But anyway, they've made a TV series of it now. All right. On stars, Ash versus Evil Dead. And I watched the first episode. The second episode was on tonight. I don't actually have stars because I recently changed my cable and I didn't add that channel. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably going to be dependent on finding it on the internet. Which most people do nowadays. But last night, uh, last week, they put the debut episode up for free. So you could watch it on On Demand or online. And mm-hmm. So I watched it, and it was really, really good for being a TV show based on a movie. It was really good. So anybody out there that's an Evil Dead fan, or especially an Army of Darkness fan, I recommend watching it. I don't know. You would, I mean, you would like it. It's not really scary. It's... It's a comedy. I was just telling, um, John Brightman actually called me earlier, and we were talking about, I don't even remember how it came up, but I mentioned to him, you know, same type of conversation. I liked The Walking Dead. First season, second season, third season. As soon as I got pregnant, I stopped watching it, because it just grossed me out. So, like, horror, like, blood, guts, gore, just doesn't do it for me. There's a lot of gore in The Evil Dead. I don't like gore. I'm just not a gore type of person. So if it involves that stuff, I just don't really care. Well, this I always get crap for anyway, especially from our audience who loves The, uh, loves the Walking Dead. Mm, yes. But I just I find it to be not nearly as good as everybody says that it is. 
I think, like, once they killed off some of the characters I liked, I was just kind of like, whatever. It's it's done. See, I never really liked any characters. I want them all to die. <laughs> I'm not a fan of any of them. I, I really liked the first season, I'm going to be honest. I liked the second season, too. After it got to the third season and I got pregnant, and maybe we'll blame it on pregnancy hormones, but all that blood and guts I couldn't do anymore. No, the second season where they totally lost me, when nothing happened. Mm, yes. For weeks and weeks. Well, that's, that's one thing I did not like about the show, even when I did like it, is those filler episodes where literally nothing happens. It's just a waste. Like, I don't really know what's going on right now, but here say they killed Glenn. Well, are you supposed to say spoiler alert? Well, I think it's been two weeks. There might be some people that haven't seen it yet. I haven't even watched it. I'm like four weeks behind. But then you expect to find out what happened to him in the next episode. It's a filler episode. Nothing happens. They don't even touch on that storyline. Right. That stuff drives me nuts, and it kind of made me not want to follow the series anymore. And it's also where I don't think that any of them are really good enough actors to carry an episode like that. No, that's why they're on AMC. But I, I just feel like the, the um, I shouldn't say they're not good enough actors. That's the, I don't think the characters are developed enough well, for they, them to carry episodes. They follow the real storyline from the comic books. It's completely off. Like Daryl should be dead by now. He I thought he wasn't even in the comics. I think he was in like season one. They what he they was re- supposed to die. What they really need to do is they need to. I don't know. Maybe focus less on. probably less on killing people off. And I know that that's the whole reason why people watch it. Mm-hmm. They want to say, oh, who are they going to kill kill off next? Right. And then I'm going to get upset when they kill them off. Like, no, you're the one that wanted... Like, they get upset if somebody doesn't die. And then they get upset when somebody does die. I don't get it. Can't have it both ways. But instead of, like, trying to build toward who's the next person we're going to kill off, like, give them all kind of time mm-hmm. and then see. You know, and I don't know. I think I had a huge fear they were going to kill off the baby while I was pregnant, too, so I just stopped watching. <laughs> the baby's the best actor on the show. The baby was supposed to die already. The baby's the best actor on the show because the baby's the only one that doesn't annoy me. Mm. Well, before we have no listeners left because you just made them <laughs> all very angry. Well, they can call in and debate me if they want. Oh, my God. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. But the... I, it's not so much that the characters are unlikable. It's just that they haven't given me enough to care and be that emotionally invested in them. There's other shows that I watch, and I'm already like, whoa, what's going to go on here? I, I like this character. Right. Like two or three episodes in, I'm like, wow. Like, not enough people watch Fargo, which is, the first season was great. This one is even better. I heard that. I haven't seen it yet, though. Did you watch the first season? No, I haven't watched any of it yet. But I think it's one of those things where my husband's already seen it, so why am I going to watch it by myself? We we get to that point where, like, shows are sitting in the DVR and... I need a DVR and a movie buddy. If anybody's available, call me. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of people that will volunteer for the job. I don't know. We'll see. You actually want them to go over your house and watch them with you? No. I don't know. Can't you just Skype them in? We can Skype them in. It'll It'll work. You're definitely tired. Yes. You're definitely tired, because Stephanie Burke, I know, would never <laughs> openly, possibly invite people she doesn't know into her house. I'm exhausted. I told you. I had a crazy day, no sleep. This, she's so tired. Stephanie Burke is actually putting out Netflix and chill on Spooky <laughs> South Coast. 
I don't know. Let's uh, <laughs> let's back it up a little bit. Let's where, back it up. Where has this show gone? I don't know. Walking Dead, next Netflix and chill. We've talked about everything non-paranormal tonight. We're gonna have nobody left. That's all right. These shows happen every. It's once okay. In a while. You guys can send us the emails and tell us we suck later on. Yeah. No, we're really just fighting. We both have we're, no voice left. Yeah, we're trying to get just to the end line here. And uh, not that we don't want to provide a quality show for you, it's just that our voices can't vocalize the well, thoughts that are in our heads. I welcome anybody to call in and, and talk about these these topics with us. Why not? I, I think part of the appeal for people about shows like The Walking Dead is that you're taking something that would be normally a topic that you wouldn't share with other people like you. If The Walking Dead didn't exist, how often would you have conversations with people about, you know, a zombie movie that you watched? Right. It just, it zombie movies weren't really that popular. Like, only amongst those like true fans. Yeah, and it was it was kind of a a, a a forgotten genre. Right. And it was you know people appreciated the ones that came out, but there was a lot of ones that didn't. Mm-hmm. And a lot of ones that uh, just basically sucked. Right. So I think that that kind of made it like okay, now we can talk about this, and. I'm fine with the fact that, you know, zombies have become less of a focus over time. But I see other people that are like, oh, they just need to have more zombies on the show. Like, are There's you ridiculous? Like, you're ridiculous if you the think zombies that. Zombies are gross. Well, not that, but just the fact that there's nothing that can happen there. Right. There, and it's, it's a crutch. When they don't know what to do with a story, there's a herd of zombies that show up. Mm-hmm. So I would be like, no, I would actually want to see less zombies. And there's one simple way that they could have solved The Walking Dead in season one, two weeks in. Houseboats. Houseboats. Just live on houseboats. Yeah. I don't see any of these zombies swimming. That's true. The, the phone line's lighting up. It's probably Michael Rooker. <laughs> All right, let's, let's, let's go to the phones. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Uh, yeah. I was wondering... Uh... Well, it's something that you discussed last hour. Sure. And uh, I forget the lady's name because I haven't listened to the show that much, but I happened to catch it and so on. And she said that she had got, uh, she had gone down that particular haunted road and so on, and she had felt a lot of um, eerie feelings and you know, got very didn't. You know, didn't like being, it was very tense for her and so on. And I was wondering if she had ever had a look at past lives and so on, as far as anything that might be related to that, just so that she could be a little bit more resilient in dealing with that kind of a stressful environment. That's a really good question, and thank you for your phone call. Um, I have not looked into my own past lives, only because I think a part of me is definitely afraid to. Um, but they do say that fears that you have in this life are from your past lives. I am deathly afraid of the ocean and water and bridges and things like that. So You picked it, a terrible place to live. I did. I really did. Um, but I truly believe I must have drowned in a past life because I, I just... I have like a panic attack if I go anywhere near the ocean. I do have a fear of the dark. I'm not sure where that would come from um, uh-huh. in a past life, but I definitely think if I did not have a fear of the dark, it would make me definitely more resilient to 
going out and exploring these things and not having a fear. I have a fear of the unknown, too, but I think everybody does. But I also wonder if my fear of the dark is more so a fear of the living and not so much the dead. Well, I know that there are a lot of creepy living people out there, never mind the dead, as far as that goes. And I know that in dealing with ghosts and so on, my own particular, and I'll be a lot of people in dealing with the... uh, with ghosts and the paranormal and so on, they treat it oh, in a way of like, oh, let's go see if we can get ourselves scared, or they treat right. it as a prank or whatever else. And if you take the fact of the paranormal seriously, that what you are looking at is that these ghosts and so on are people. Yes, they, they are, are people without bodies, but they are people. They're someone's brother, sister, grandparent, grandmother, husband, wife, and so on. Right. That is, That's definitely where I'm more comfortable is with those that have passed on, um, mainly because maybe they're a little bit more limited as to what they can do to me. Um, obviously, the living can do a lot more, so being surrounded by complete darkness definitely scares me a little bit more, especially on a haunted road. It just kind of adds to the feeling of it. Um, because, you know, you have spirits on all sides of you, but you can also have something come out of the woods that's completely living looking to hurt you, too. Well, is uh, looking at things like your past lives, is that something that you would want to confront at some point in the future? I have considered that for probably about 10 years now. Huh? Um, a very good friend of mine does past life regression, and huh? I've always wondered, but I was warned because you are kind of hypnotized when you go into it that, you do see certain things that you might not want to see. And I feel like I might be traumatized by some of those things. Well, I I know that there are different levels of technique. There are some techniques that are hypnotic. Right. They use that sort of technique. And then there are other techniques that are milder in that you you do it as a conscious exercise where you are... You do and look at, it's a gradient. You do it uh, so that you can do it on the the basis of, okay, we're just going to look at mild upsets in this present life and go earlier, similar, that type of thing. And then you can look at stuff that's a little bit more intense. And you gradually build up your strength so that suddenly when you happen to skip back into a past life, you already have a little bit more muscle to work with instead of just being dropped into something that you're tearing your hair out. Yeah, I think a part of me feels like if I were to do it, I'd want to jump all in. But I think it's something that you have to definitely 100% be ready for, too. And Uh as much as I'm curious, I feel like I'm not at that point in my life yet where I really need to know. Yeah, well, it's like doing weights or anything else. No one's going to go grab that 100-pound weight (laughs) at, at first. You know, you... Some people, they need to grab the 5-pound weight, then the 10-pound, and then work their way up right. so that then they can. And no, no one's a ballerina at the first, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I want to be a ballerina. And you find these kids that have been practicing since they're age four, and they jump around the stage, and they're brilliant at it. Right. Well, I mean, caller, it sounds like you've actually gone through this process. Have you, have you done uh, some past life regression on yourself? Oh, I I have gotten to the point where, well, 
I'm fairly knowledgeable on past lives and my own past lives and so on, and it's part of the thing that blocks past lives. Well, there are a couple angles. One is um, personal decisions, such as um, sometimes when a person leaves a life, the life was kind of awful, and they say, Thank God I'm done with that. <laughs> like leaving a bad job, mm-hmm. as far as that goes. And so they don't want to remember that. They just want to leave it behind. You know, the be it the bad, uh, the bad husband or the bad wife or the awful kids or whatever. Is they just want to leave it behind. And then there's the other side of it of maybe something awful happened, and they don't want to remember something awful that happened, and. Uh, it is a matter of confront. It is also a matter of responsibility. And sometimes it's sometimes um, the guy doesn't want to remember that he was the executioner, or a guy doesn't want to remember that he was executed, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Or or whatever it is. And most past lives, you know, you take the odds of how many lifetimes that you have in the how many different people. Let's say one one or two percent of the people on planet Earth are some sort of nobility or something like that. At least in Europe at that time, are one or two percent of politicians. One or one percent are doctors or whatever else. So most most lifetimes are going to be kind of ordinary and boring and kind of stressful as far right. as that goes. Yeah. Only uh, only one person could have ever been Elvis, you know. Well, somebody was. That's the other side of it too. Somebody was. Somebody was, uh, there are enough Roman emperors out there that, you know, somebody was a Roman emperor, maybe only for a few months, but they were emperor of Rome, you know. But most of the time it's so like, there you are. I've reached the point that um, also in terms of past lives, it gets, there are other exotic questions that come up such as, uh, well, how far back do past lives go? Yeah, right. What's the origin point? At some point, it had to have been the first one. Yeah, exactly. Are they even limited to, well, of the, the, you could take it from a mild level of, are past lives limited to human history? Probably not. Hmm. They probably go back a bit further than what we can, uh, than what's documented for history and so on. And probably a bit further back than that. And given the length of time of life and experience, you can, you've probably been a little bit of everything at one point or another, been a farmer or a baker or a soldier or who cares what. Or a dinosaur. A little bit of everything is in there as far as that goes. So if someone says, have you ever killed somebody? Well, most likely, given the length of time of history of planet Earth, Probably happened at least once. Right. There's no need to feel guilty about it. You can own it. <laughs> How about yourself? I mean, what are some of the past lives that you've come across for yourself? Well, okay, as an example, one time, well, I, I'm a veteran, and I was in the U.S. Navy, and uh, at one point, I, uh, the ship that I was on was in the Mediterranean, and there was something that was going on over in Israel at that time. 
and we were there, and we would have to go over and patrol and do whatever we were doing over there. And something happened political. I forget exactly what it was, but I was terribly upset with the Israeli government. And I'm there, and I'm standing there, and as soon as I looked at it, I flashed. It's like, oh, there I am in the Roman centurion outfit standing at a desk looking at the orders that say I'm going to go to Jerusalem to go fight the the Jews in Judea in 70-something A.D. Wow. So I'm there. It's like, oh, I've done this before. And I, and I could scan and look and say, oh, yes, and then wow. it did the whole war and everything else and whatever it was. But I could look at it, and because I could say that I could own it, then it was a lot easier for me to accept it and then to scan through and pick up bits and pieces of it and get the whole picture as far as that goes. Um, Have you picked up any non-human lives for yourself in the past? Um, I haven't particularly looked at that, but uh, there are Actually, just doing a quick scan now, I can see there are a few times when I've done that, it's just because it's sort of like, sometimes a dog's life is not that bad. I would agree with that. I've seen how my dog lives. Yeah, Ruby has a good... You know, it's that kind of thing. You know, you could, there, are, there have been stories out there and so on of people who have had lives as horses or whatever, or dogs or whatever else, and they had a good time or whatever, and it wasn't, a, you know, there they are. And so I can, I, it's, I have nothing uh, as far as uh, people having had lives in any sort of a intelligent creature. Well, uh, Go ahead. Is this a matter of, you know, because we've talked with other people who have talked about reincarnation in the past on the show, and the prevailing idea seems to be that each stop is one step, supposed to be one step toward becoming a more perfect being, mm -hmm. and that sometimes you take a step back and you have to go back and start over and learn some new lessons. Do you find that that's the same for you in your research, that this uh, has been a learning process that's been keeping going, or is it just oh. as soon as one ends, another one's going to start no matter what? Well... Well, no, sometimes there are gaps from one life to another. Sometimes people are lazy, and they don't, they, they don't work on it. That spiritual growth takes work and actually takes intention. So some people will sit there and they're not working on making themselves a better person. They're not making themselves a better person, so therefore they are going to be, uh, they're not going to make that much growth because they're not working on making themselves a better person one way or the other. Other people are making some sort of effort, and so they make some sort of progress as far as that goes. I've always wondered, too, that there seems to be some kind of a built-in mechanism for us to not automatically recall past lives or know that we could be reincarnated because otherwise people would be like, you know what, this life isn't all that great off themselves and then hope for a better situation next time. Well, see, that gets into the responsibility angle and so on, because when you do that, you are, if you're not able to take the proper responsibility, then you don't have the energy level, 
And then where you go kind of is at random of the forces of the world as opposed to having some sort of power choice about where you're going so that you can improve yourself, that type of thing. As far as that goes, that's my perception on it. Your mileage may vary. Well, I thank you very much for a fascinating phone call. If, if you have the chance, can you just shoot me an email, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com, and maybe we can continue this discussion sometime in the future. Oh, whatever makes some good sense. Uh, your your email's up on the site, right? Yep, right. Just uh, click on my bio, and it's right there. It links to my uh, email and my Twitter and everything. So, Whatever makes sense to you. Okay, we can we can work that out. All right, thank you awesome, so much. thank you. You're welcome. Great call. And if anybody else would like to call in, 508-996-0500, You know, what do you feel about that, Stephanie? Because I know that you said that you haven't researched it, but obviously you, you believe in it. You believe in the idea of it. I have a tough time with it, um, only because I spend so much time talking to spirits that are on the other side. So if, how are they on the other side if we're always getting reincarnated? It's a question I have. I don't really have, like, a stance of where I, I stand with it. Um, I know, personally, I've felt different things and, and resonated strongly with different parts of history um, for no apparent reason. I was, I mean, if you call my mother right now and ask her, I was the weirdest kid ever. Um, I was, like, three and four years old being taken to the library, and I'd sneak out of the children's section, and I'd go to the adult section, which is the rest of the entire library. But the history part, I would pick up gigantic books on the Titanic, Salem Witch Trials, um, comets, and, comets and Asteroids, why I have no idea, but I just resonated with those certain periods of time. Nobody knew or nobody was telling me at three or four years old what the Titanic was, what the Salem Witch Trials were. Um, I strongly feel at one point in my past lives I was Native American. I don't know how or why or why I, I feel connected to these things. I am sure I can come up with more if I sit here and I really think. Um, but like I said, how do you connect to the other side if there's reincarnation? Are, where are our loved ones? Are they reincarnated or... What am I talking to? You know, that's a good point. I mean, so it's one of those questions that can't be answered till we get there. <clears throat> I've also felt that if if it is real, if it, if yeah. it is is a real true thing, then I felt that I've been Native American too in the past, both okay. Wampanoag here, okay, and uh, uh, probably plains to like uh, Southwest Indians. Okay, I felt both of that. So, and you know, time wise, it would match up. Mm-hmm. It's possible. So I've always kind of felt that connection, which I think is weird. It's very weird. Because well, maybe we were friends in a past life. And that's what I'm wondering. You know, maybe we were. Maybe that's why we've become good friends now. Mm -hmm. It's because we knew each other before. I told you when I met you, I felt like I already knew you. Right. So I mean, I definitely feel that connection with certain people, Um, and I think a part of me is afraid to look into past lives because I think I'm afraid to face the fact that I might not have been with my parents in a past life or my husband or my baby and, you know, things like that. So I'm kind of content where I am in my life right now and I don't really need to know anything. So... See, I almost wonder, though, if it's not... I don't know if it would belittle those relationships to know that you were with other people in... In, I don't know, I just don't want life. to think of, like, my parents being somebody else besides what they are now, you know? I, I would look at it more as 
Uh, I guess. I mean, I can see that side of it, too. But I would kind of look at more as, you know, where are you on your journey that you were my parents this time? You know what I mean? Like, you must, where are you on your journey that you are the one that was guiding and shaping and creating me? And then what does that mean for me going forward? And, you know, what does that mean for, for my child going forward? You know, I kind of look at it as, because I've heard this said before, that even though we are reincarnated, mm-hmm. that those who are our loved ones around us are kind of reincarnated right along with us. They're in our lives in another way. I believe it was Richard Salva that we had on the show mm-hmm. that was talking about that, about those who, you know, you connect with, you connect with for a reason because you always are going to connect with them. Okay. So well, maybe th- that makes me feel a little bit better, but I still don't know how I feel about it. So this will be a process. I would just, I'd, I'd be really upset if I found out I was like Hitler. Somebody was. Because I'd be like, eh, eh. That would really be terrible because I'm Jewish. You know, like... <laughs> Half but my family is Jewish. Maybe Hitler comes back to be Jewish. It's quite possible. I think we're going to take a commercial break. We okay. have some spots to run. When we come back, we'll kick around some more topics. We'll take your calls as well. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. Back with more Spooky South Coast in a moment here on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. Tim Weisberg with you, along with Stephanie Burke. Spooky South Coast, where we talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night from 10 to midnight, which I should have said at the beginning of the show, but I That's okay. surprised myself with how little voice I had. And of course, we are broadcasting live both here on New Bedford's New Sox Station, 1420 WBSM, as well as streaming video and audio on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. And the rebroadcast every week on Art Bell's Dark Matter Radio Network. So, so many ways to check out the show. Thank you, however you listen. Let us know. Tweet us at SpookySC. Email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Let us know who you are, where you're from, and how you listen. Definitely. We'll give you a shout-out. Stephanie, we'll give you a shout-out. I will definitely give you a shout-out. And uh, you can also call in as well, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. And let's go right back to the phones. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? I'm good. And yourself, guys? We're doing all right. It's we feel way better than we sound. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say. I mean, it, you, you gotta. You've done very well tonight. Thank you very much. No problem. I can imagine being at Comic Con was kind of a, uh, a hurdle to get through if you weren't feeling well. Well, I think I was uh, feeling a little too good there, and I was taking it for granted, not saving my voice. If yeah. I if I realized it was happening, maybe I would have talked less. <laughs> All kudos, my hats are off to you guys. You're here tonight, so thank you anyway, very much. No problem. Um, interestingly enough, um, I happened to go to the Freetown State Forest today for one of the first times, and um, a friend of mine and I went there, and she took a bunch of photos. And man, I got to tell you, that place is just ominously freaky. Yeah, even in the daytime, you feel it. Like you just pull in there, and you're like, uh, I don't know if I want to do this or not. Yeah, and. Um, Ironically, we we got there about two thirty, three o'clock, and we stayed until about 5 o'clock. And, you know, obviously it gets dark there at 5 o'clock, and, man, it, it was just really weird. 
But um, And did you go all the way through, or did you just kind of go into the beginning? Where, where did you check out? We were, um, we went in through um, one of the uh, entrances in a sonnet. Yep. And um, we went, we probably went through, um, I want to say maybe a quarter of the way through in the Asonan area, because I remember at one point we were at a trail that said, this way to Dartmouth, this way to Fal- uh, Fall River. And um, by the time we were halfway through, it was starting to get dark, and we kind of figured to head back. So. so did you get to the ledge? Did you actually see the ledge? Unfortunately, we did not. Um we ran into a gentleman who had his dog, and he was telling us that we were probably about a mile or two away. Um, but it was definitely a, a point of interest in my kind of investigative work, and I want to definitely go back there. So. And if you do, uh, uh, on the opposite side of the Asonet entrance is where Profile Rock is. Right. Which is also where I spend some time at. And I like to go there like right around dusk, even though it technically closes at dusk. But that's a good time to go up there because first of all, I can go up there and see the sunset. But also, I you know I I tend to feel the same way. Like maybe those places aren't the best place to be at night. Right. And Profile Rock for some reason freaks me out in the dark. So I like to go maybe right before. Right. Well, it was uh, the woman I was with that I told me that she was at um, went to Anawan Rock one time and that she just definitely felt as though there was this presence there that she hadn't. Um, before or had picked up on and uh, it was an interesting story hearing that from her but she, she took a lot of good photos and uh, had a history in photography so it, we I'll be interested to see what, what comes out on the pictures have you, uh, have you been out to Dighton Rock? no I have not um, me either I've heard, heard a couple of different things uh, I watched the Bridgewater Triangle movie that, Kind of set a, set a museum or something. Or it is. Uh, they built like a little museum building around it to protect it. But mm-hmm. and they have uh, you know all the different theories. They have um, not dioramas, but you know like displays in the wall where they talk about the different theories as to how it got there. So. ABC News. Nope. Tech trends. Tech- oh. I think I think the computer's telling us that it's almost time to go. <laughs> Two more minutes. I've never heard that happen before. No, it has been a long time. Before. I think we're gonna have to have Keith Johnson come back in and bless the studio again. Oh boy. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I definitely want to get out there and check out Dighton Rock myself. Every time I've tried to go, it's always closed. I've yeah. never been, so let's make a field trip. I've never been to Anawak either. Me either. We're going to have to this. Uh, quite an interesting place. I actually never really knew it, but I grew up in pretty much everywhere I've lived as a child. I was in the Bridgewater Triangle, and oh, I wow. think that's really interesting. And it's funny that um, when I was a child, we used to go um, into the Hockamock Swamp, and just always something seemed very off about the place. But uh, it's definitely the Freetown State Forest has my interest right now. So, well, that's cool. Keep cool. us updated yeah. and let us know what's yeah. going on and, and how it's going for you. I appreciate that. Right. Well, thank you very much for the call. No problem. Have, Have a great, great night. Have a good night. Bye. And we've just about made it to the finish line, uh, so we won't make people listen to our <laughs> scratchy voice. Me, me, way worse than yours. Yours well, sounds I pretty normal. Tea, so I'm, I'm a little better now. But uh, we will be back next week. Uh, I'll be wrestling. I'll be at the wrestling event before the show you doing will. the ring announcing, so I have like a week to get my voice healed up so I can do the ring announcing. Yes. Uh, but come on out and see me at that event, and uh, more details on my Facebook and on my Twitter. Until next week, stay spooktacular. Okay.